Uh, this morning, we're looking at the Christ of Christmas. Isn't this a great picture? I don't know where Megan found it, but I looked at that and I thought, yes, uh, it, it fits. He was born to die. He came to give his life a ransom for us. We are so blessed because of Christ. We're looking at the Christ of Christmas, and we're going to look at several different things and several passages of Scripture. And so we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read what it says there. And Genesis chapter 3 is the story of the fall. Man was born perfect, sinless, uh, spotless, but man was tempted by Satan as a serpent. He tempted Eve, and then Eve ate and then gave of her husband the fruit that God had, had uh, said you couldn't eat. It was prohibited. And I know a lot of people say it was an apple, and there are people who won't eat apples today because that was the forbidden fruit. And I know it was kiwi. Uh, and, and so I don't touch the stuff, you know, I, just, I don't want to go there. But uh, we don't know what the fruit was. In fact, I think it probably wasn't anything like any fruit that we have. In, in fact, if you look at some of the answers in Genesis pictures, they make it look more like a grenade than a piece of fruit, and because uh, the effect was even worse than a grenade. Uh, but But man fell into sin, and so all of mankind from... That day on, every child born is born with a sin nature. Sorry, Ivy, but even you. Every child is born with a sin nature. And, and so, in the beginning of the curse, as God was talking to them and describing what it was going to be, and he's talking about the judgment to the serpent. So in Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 14 as part of what he's saying to the serpent. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, biologically, uh, there is not normally a seed of a woman. This is a unique thing. And so the first image we have of the coming Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ, is he is the seed, the seed of the woman in the garden. And so when the way it's written here between your seed talking to the serpent, the snakes that would come after and and Satan and and her seed singular and he her seed shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel as talking about the Lord having power over Satan. The Lord would conquer and would dominate. And so, who are the seed of the serpent? Well, the seed of the serpent are those who reject the Lord and choose to live in sin. Uh, we call them, in the Bible, thieves, drunkards, covetous, adulterers, selfish, wrathful, murderers, hateful, and disobedient. And God calls them all sinners. Sinners in need. 
And, and we were numbered among them. Now don't turn there, but listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. You once walked according to the curse I'm sorry, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, desiring of fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. Every child that is born has a sin nature. As that child grows, that child can learn to trust the Lord and follow the Lord. Now, I believe some kids can't get to that place. Uh, intellectually, they have developmental issues. And I believe those who cannot understand sin will end up in heaven. The Bible doesn't specifically say that, but when David's baby died, David said, I'm going to go to him. So he was talking about a place when David died, he would go join his, his son. And we know that David was a believer and that David was accepted by the Lord and David was going to be with the Lord. So I believe that babies are too. And so if you have a person who doesn't have the intellectual capacity, the mental capacity to understand sin and the nature of sin... I don't believe God arbitrarily condemns them to hell. But those who have the mental capacity, those who can differentiate between right and wrong and good and evil and sin and salvation, then God expects them to believe on and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The seed of the woman is only Jesus because no other person was born of a virgin. Only Jesus could crush the serpent's head. Jesus brings victory to those who trust in him. And he is the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Christ. He is the one prophesied from the beginning of all creation. And he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus is the seed of the woman. Now, I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, and we're going to look at the sign. In the book of Isaiah chapter 7, it talks about the Lord, there being a sign, and here would be that sign. Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. That's right. He's going to call his name Emmanuel. So here is the sign that God has given the one who would come would be born of a virgin, a young maiden, a virgin. And in the house of David, a young maiden would be expecting a child. And the virgin would conceive and bear a son who would be called Emmanuel. This is a prophetic, a messianic prophecy about Jesus as the Messiah. And over more than 6,000 years of human history, and Billions and billions of people, there's 
more than seven and a half billion people on the planet now, and over the course of history, billions have already died. No other person in all the history of civilization could ever be called, rightly called, God with us. Oh, there are people who are called a servant of God, a teacher of God, a preacher of God, a saint of God, a woman of God, but nobody has been called God with us except Jesus. And this was the sign. He fulfilled that prophetic sign. He was and forever will be God with us. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's with you in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He is with you, inside you, for the rest of your life. Sometimes you live in harmony. You're listening and and, uh, appreciating His counsel. Other times, you don't. But He is always with you. God with us. Now, if you grew up in church, how many of you grew up in church? Raise your hand. If you grew up in church, a lot of folks here did, then, then this is something you've known, you've heard about all your life. But this was something very unusual when it happened. When Isaiah wrote these words, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and wrote this down and taught this to the people, this was something new. Because their concept of God was God was something alien, something foreign, not an alien, but something foreign, something different than life on planet Earth. And God was above the heavens. And so they would go out at night and they could see the stars and they had no idea how many there were and they had no idea how far away they were, but they knew they were way out there and they could look at those stars and then they would think of God as beyond the stars. So in their view of God through most of human history before Jesus came, God was out there. He was distant. And Jesus brought God right to us. God with us. Now, so we understand that God is both all the way out there and right here because God's everywhere. Uh, But they struggled with that. And in a lot of human history, and in fact in a lot of religions today, people think God is angry and they have to try and appease Him. They think God is uh, unfair and unjust, and He's not. And they, they can't fathom God being with us. The seed of the woman would be the sign that God is with us, and his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Turn over in your Bible to another page, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. I love that, unto us. Unto us, unto humanity, a child is born. Unto us a son is given. God sent forth his son. 
He sent him to us. He came to save us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God himself, God the Son, stepped into humanity and became the Son of God. He was born for us. He rules over all of creation. Even though sometimes it doesn't seem like he's ruling. He is. He's still in charge. I'm not sure it's blasphemous, but I heard somebody talking about the Lord and said, He is large and in charge. Well, that's true. It, might, it sounds just slightly flippant, but He is amazing and awesome and humongous, and He rules. When you truly know Him and learn to trust Him, you call Him the Wonderful Counselor. You know, when he was on the earth, he spent a lot of time showing people how to live and laugh and love. And he taught lessons that still speak into our hearts today. And in those lessons, so right now we're going to start with this group over here. Tell me a lesson Jesus taught in the Gospels that still speaks into our lives today. Duh. All right, let's upgrade. We'll try this group here. Sorry, what? Love other people as yourself. Love one another. That's right. What about this group? To serve. Yeah, there's lots of lessons that Jesus taught. I caught you flat-footed. We'll come back to you guys now. Have you thought of one? All right, so we're all going to pause just a moment, and we're going to pray for these folks over here, okay? So, well, Tim, do you got one? Hatred is the same as murder. Now, since his wife's over here, we'll give them credit for Tim's comment, so, okay? All right, so listen, he taught lessons that still stick, like, and I had on my list, love your neighbor and love your enemy, Loving your neighbor's not always that hard, although when we were in the Marine Corps, we had some pretty obnoxious, when I was in the Marine Corps, we had some pretty obnoxious neighbors for a little bit, uh, but, but you can still love them, but loving your enemies, that's harder. And then Jesus also taught that your giving is measured by your heart, not by your wallet. And he taught that hatred is just as awful as murder. And he said, contentment is not found in abundant wealth, but in abundant faith. The lessons that Jesus, he is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is God, fully God, now with us. 
We are connected with him forever. He is the everlasting father. In the Gospels, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. They're united. They are connected. They are committed. They are the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so they're fully connected. And Not only is he one with the Father, but one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is the Prince of Peace. Only Jesus can bring peace to the human heart. He is the Son and the Prince of Peace. And in both of those roles, he allows us to pray in his name. And when we pray in his name, the Holy Spirit partners with us in that prayer. And the Father listens and answers that prayer. We have the full attention of Almighty God, because we pray in the name of Jesus. He allows us to be called by His name. What do they call believers? Christians, Christians. We are like Christ, at least we're supposed to be, and and He allows us to be called by His name. He is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and And we celebrate Christmas because of Jesus. So in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, he is the sun. The sun. I like this picture. It actually looks like an infant. Um, He is the sun. He is the son of God. He is God the Son. He is our Savior and our Redeemer. He is the one who brought God to us. Now, uh, in my young days, like last week, um, my young, last week was younger days, right? No, but, but when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I didn't have as close a relationship with my dad as I ended up having for... Um, the last 35, almost 40 years of my life, I, I had a great relationship with my dad. Uh, but uh, I remember in Bible school talking to one of my professors in Bible school about it. And, and I said, you know, like I have this concept of God the Father as being the one out there and away. And so I said, it, it feels to me like um, we got the Son so that we could feel more connected to God because the Father is not as approachable as the Son. And the truth is, what I was demonstrating was my lack of understanding. I wasn't sharing a deep theological truth. I was sharing my lack of understanding of a deep theological truth. Remember we looked at last week, God is for you. God loves you, and God wants you to be part of His family. He even wants you to live in His house, and He's preparing a place for you. So the Son feels more approachable, but the Father is approachable. The thing is, we didn't get that until we met the Son. And then once you meet the Son, and you realize He's like the Father. Oh, 
Well, the Father's approachable after all. And, and so in most of the Old Testament, their idea of God is distant. And in most cultures, their view of God is distant. But the Son brought God with us, to us, in the name of the Father. And so He is the Son, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And He allows us to become sons of God. We have become family because the Son was given. All right, now here's a bigger one. He is the Savior. He is the seed, the sign, the Son, the Savior. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at this just a little bit this morning, and then we're going to look at it uh, next week as well. Luke chapter 1 uh, starts out with the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist, and, and then a new thing happens. Uh, when the angel spoke to Zacharias in the temple and told him about the birth of John the Baptist, this was the first time an angel had been present with the human awareness in Israel for 400 years. They're called the 400 silent years. There was no new message from God for a long length of time. And then the angel was there. And then the angel comes and he comes to a little city in uh, northern Israel called Nazareth, and he goes and he talks to a young lady named Mary. In Luke chapter 1, and look in verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women. <laughs> wow. You know, she's quiet. She's trying to follow the Lord. She gives evidence of working hard to learn Scripture. Later when she shares her Magnificat of praise, there's lots of quotes from the Old Testament. In fact, uh, there's a lot of lining up. We looked at uh, Thanksgiving Eve. We had Hunter read from Psalms and Savannah over here reading from the Magnificat. And we saw this parallel uh, in the scriptures. And so uh, there's Mary showed a, a great knowledge of the Word of God. And she was keeping herself pure in, in a, a garrison town. How many of you have ever lived on a military base? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. When you get right outside the military base, is that the best area of town? No. Right outside a military base is not. Actually, that's, there's more bars per capita close to a military base than any other place else in the city. 
there's more brothels and houses of prostitution. There's, garrison towns, even back then, were not nice places. Nazareth was a garrison town, but she had kept herself pure, and she was honoring God, and she was committed to the betrothal, anticipating being married to Joseph. So she was committed to him and was keeping herself faithful and was honoring God and learning his word. And so here is Mary. And then this angel shows up and kind of freaks her out. He says, uh, blessed are you. Uh, and so rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, notice it's interesting that she wasn't absolutely freaked out that an angel showed up and was talking to her. Some of the other people were. Zacharias was. But she was not. She knew the Lord. She was walking with the Lord. She was trusting the Lord. She was pursuing Him. So she was troubled at His saying, not troubled at his being there, and she thought about what he was saying and how on earth this could be. So while she's thinking these things, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Was she afraid? I don't know. Do angels know your heart? No, unless God reveals it to them. God knows your heart. So was she afraid? I don't know, but maybe everywhere the angel went, people were afraid. So don't be afraid, Mary. And then he says, you have found favor with God. And just stop and think in your own life. If God sent an angel to talk to you, would that angel say, you have found favor with God? If there's something going on in our lives, that won't bring favor with God, we should stop. We should change. Because when you try and live for the Lord, that's when you have the greatest opportunities. Like Mary. Nazareth wasn't a big town, but there's, there had to be dozens of teenage girls about Mary's age in that town. She was the one chosen. Okay? Now look. Uh, in verse 31, he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means the Savior, the one who saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Jump down to verse 35. The angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And jump down to 38. Mary says, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Now, turn over to Matthew chapter 1. We'll talk about this a little bit more. Matthew chapter 1, now the angel is coming to Joseph. Now with Mary, Mary was awake and alert when the angel showed up, so was Zacharias. But now uh, Joseph's asleep, and in a dream, an angel comes to him. Sometimes in our dreams, God's speaking to us, but most of the time that happened before the scriptures were here. 
Have you ever gone to sleep wondering about something, then you wake up in the morning and you got it figured out? That happens sometimes. The healing part of our brain, the subconscious, helps. We gain insight sometimes just from a good night's rest. But, but this was a special thing. This was not just Joseph figuring something out. This was an angel showing up and talking to Joseph. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they consummated the marriage, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, at that point, thought she'd been unfaithful to him. So, verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, some people who profess to be Christians tell the story like this, that Mary was found to be with child, so this old guy named Joseph who had other kids decided he would take Mary in so that she would have a husband. That's not what the Bible says. They were already betrothed, young couple, already committed to be married, already in the process before Mary was expecting a baby. And so Joseph's natural thought, natural thought, was she was unfaithful. But the Holy Spirit and this angel give him understanding that's different. So, now... While he's thinking about these things, verse 20, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, the Savior, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken uh, by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. By the way, some people believe Mary was perpetually a virgin, and that passage says she was not. Uh, she was when Jesus was born, and then she went on and had other kids. Uh, the boys, the four other boys she had are named in scriptures. She had at least two girls. They're not named in scripture. Um, but he's going to be the Savior. His name will be Jesus, the one who saves. He is the Son of the Highest, the Son of God. Now, in Matthew 21, it says, Mary will have a son and name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Without Jesus, there's no salvation. Do you know that statistically, um, if you have a faith, you handle life better than those who don't have faith? It really doesn't matter what your faith is. It helps you in this life. They've done all kinds of studies, and people of faith have lower cholesterol, lower blood pressure, uh, fewer drug addictions. People of faith live better lives than people who don't have faith. 
But only people who put their faith in Jesus Christ have a faith that prepares them for the life to come. Only people who put their faith in Jesus Christ have a Savior, Christ the Lord. Without Jesus, there's no salvation. Without Jesus, that faith is vain. It's empty. It's meaningless. It helps only while you live on earth and doesn't at all prepare you for the life to come after you die. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, then the Bible says after you're dead, the Lord will take you to heaven. Your body will die and your soul and spirit will go be with the Lord in heaven and you'll forever be with the Lord. And and we have that promise in Scripture. Without Jesus, there is no good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Without Jesus, there's no hope. But with Jesus, there is peace. There is hope. There is joy to the world. Jim would like us to sing that song about 52 weeks a year. (laughs) There's joy. There is rejoicing in the Lord. Does that mean you don't have any troubles once you trust Jesus? Yes. No. You know that's not true. I sure hope nobody was listening online and turned it off right then. Trusting Christ does not take away all your problems, but it gives you a partner to go with them. There is rejoicing. There is salvation. There is redemption. There is forgiveness. And there is Christmas. Christmas. Because of Christ. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ can be saved. For there is no salvation in any other name. Not Buddha, not Confucius, not Muhammad. There's salvation only in the name of Jesus the Christ. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the right or the power, the ability to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, the name Jesus. He is the seed. He is the sign. He is the son. He is the Savior. So if you're here this morning and you have never asked Jesus to forgive your sins and you've never received him as your Savior, you can do that. If you're listening online and you've never done this, you can trust Christ. In fact, if you're online, you can call the church and we'll have somebody meet with you or call you online or, or uh, Skype with you or, and explain to you from the Word of God how you can be saved. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ, don't leave. Ask somebody to show you how you can know the Savior, how you can experience God with us in your own life. Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. We rejoice in Him. Now, Jim's going to lead us in a song in just a minute. But before we sing this song, 
The song is that He is our peace, like Isaiah said. Before we sing this song, uh, I want you to just stop and look in your own life and think about what the angel said to Mary, that Mary found favor with God. Is there something in your life that you need to quit or is there something that you need to start so that you can find favor with God? Think about that and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that Jesus brought you to us, that he came down and he showed us the Father. And, and now we can trust and believe in him. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be in this place to celebrate our Savior. And we pray for those who might be listening, who might be here, who have never trusted Christ. We pray that they would do that, Lord. We pray that they would join our spiritual family and experience God with them. And Father, I pray that we look in our own hearts and lives and we would see what might need to change so that we could be more pleasing to you. Because someday, maybe very soon, maybe even yet today, we will stand in your presence and we will not want to have those things in our lives on that day. So I pray that on this day, we would make a decision that would prepare us for that day. In Jesus' name, amen.